looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day. This is Past the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. Good morning, everyone. It's Past the Post for Sunday, May 7. Thanks for your company. We've got plenty to talk about over the next hour. Of course, Carnival's in full swing in Queensland and South Australia. We had a great day of racing at the Sunshine Coast yesterday. It was the Gold Coast Turf Club meeting. Sunshine Coast hosted it for them. The coast-to-coast race day. Plenty to talk about, not only about yesterday in itself, but with a view to the future. And, of course, I'm here in Adelaide, and we have the second day of the Autumn Carnival. And the Sangster, the Robert Sangster, the Group 1, won by Ruthless Dame. Those men again, Ma and Eustace and John Allen. Of course, they won the Australasian Oaks the previous week. They came up trumps with Ruthless Dane in the Group 1 yesterday. A good meeting at Gosford as well. Ben Dorries is in the studio in Brisbane. He's joining me now. Ben, good morning. Yeah, good morning, David. It was a really terrific day of racing, I thought, everywhere. Lots of tight finishes on the Sunshine Coast. Just about every race had a tight finish. Zaki became the $10 million man, went over the $10 million prize money uh, barrier. And I thought two horses made really emphatic Stradbroke handicap statements. Yellow Brick, obviously, uh, the gun three-year-old for Tony and Matty Sears at the Sunshine Coast, uh, won despite being three-year-old the trip. And think about it at Gosford, uh, won in emphatic style as well. Those two head the Stradbroke market now. I don't know if it's a coincidence that there's so much conversation and discussion and chatter about the Stradbroke because this year it's $3 million, but it's got to have something to do with it because in previous years, uh, the Stradbroke, I'm not saying it's lost its mojo, but we weren't talking about it a lot, and maybe it is that the, these horses are coming up, but you mentioned too, like, think about it, and Yellow Brick. Last week we were talking about Antino. Can he get in? Can he, well, might he miss the cut? But these horses, these three horses are all highly progressive with very uh, light racing careers so far. These are the stars of the future, and it would be great if they could all clash in about a month's time on Stradbroke Day. So there is a lot of conversation about it. You'd find that yourself, you know, going about your your work every day. Yeah, absolutely. And I can tell you from being on track yesterday on the Sunshine Coast, David, and we'll talk to Matty Sears later in the show, it was a particularly emotional moment for the father and daughter team, Tony and Matty Sears, Uh, They both had tears in their eyes after Yellow Brick won. Yes, it was only a Group 3 race. Uh, There's a lot bigger fish to fry than this. Um, But it was sort of the manner of the win. It was verification for both of them that they have a proper horse. And it was, you know, it was a racing moment, but it was also a special family moment, I sense, too. I mean, at some point, Tony, I'd imagine... Uh, he's going to you know, retire from, from training some point in the future uh, and, and hand the business over to Matty. And it was just, you know, it was just a lovely moment. It really was. And the way that horse, Yellow Brick, won um, was terrific. He had every reason to hoist the white flag after the, the, the run he had. Uh, but he won, as I said, in really emphatic style. Just one quick thing, David, too. We should update listeners as well because there's been a bit of concern about this. Um, jockey Dan McGilvray had a very nasty oh. fall at Bow Desert yesterday. Uh, the races were called off and he was airlifted out of Bow Desert. But I can report some really good news this morning. Dan McGilvray has spoken to his brother Matt. Uh, he's escaped a major injury. Um, you know, he, he's bumped up and he, he's got some hematomas and whatever. But basically, he, he's 
he's you know been given the green light. So for what was it was tricky to get information about the seriousness of that mm. injury yesterday. And when you hear helicopters and airlifts and races being called off, gee whiz, with what we've been through in racing recently, you fear the worst. But that is very very good news for Dan McGilvray. Thanks for providing that for us, Ben. Let's uh, let's go to the racing action at the Sunshine Coast yesterday. And the headline act was Zaki. He was a dollar sixty favourite to win his third Hollandale Stakes. Colding the leader. Zaki only a half length away as they head down the side. A length and a half away to Skyman in third. Then followed Zarek, Just Folk and Benka's Choice trying to squeeze in between runners. No compromise. Quedal still a long way back with new mandate. And a tissue still last, but they start to pack up. Colding the leader. McDonald now says go boy on Zaki at the top of the straight. Skyman went back to the rail. Zarek now presents. Then followed new mandate and a tissue to the outside. Zaki a narrow leader at the two and he's got a fight on his hands. Zarek's out after him a half length away. Quedor back to the inside. Zaki's digging in with 100 to go. Zarek, Quedor on the inside. Zaki's just in front and he's going to do it. He's now a $10 million man. Zaki makes it history in three Hollandales. What a champ. He beat Quedor and Zarek's run third. Camera fourth. Banker's choice or no compromise. Then a tissue. Further back to Just Folk and Colding. And towards the tail end, we had Sky Man, who was one of the last ones to clock in. Well, it's fair to say, in fact, it's more than fair to say that uh, Queensland or even Brisbane is a happy hunting ground for Zaki. This is his third time here during the uh, carnival, of course, make it three Hollandale stakes. Can he win his second Dooman Cup in a fortnight's time? He was a dollar sixty favourite yesterday. Joe Mac had the ride, James McDonald. Not that well away, had to use some Trinoli to get outside lead, but then strong in the straight and running about a half second outside of the track record. So it's the Zaki we expect. And uh, Todd Pollard, of course, represents Annabelle Neesham here in Brisbane, manages the Brisbane stable. And Todd, as you join us as our first this morning, um, you have a very responsible role in Annabelle's stable. You would have been very proud yesterday to see that horse win. Yeah, absolutely. Morning, guys. It's, um, yeah, nice to see him come up and do the job uh, yesterday. It's obviously, when you get a horse like him up into the stable, it brings a bit of pressure and responsibility, but he's been pretty straightforward since he arrived up 10 days ago. But, um, yeah, you know, I'd describe what a horse he has been for the stable. He's now won over $10 million and just always puts in. He really runs a bad race, even when... Um, you know, his back's up against the wall. He had a pretty tough run yesterday, but, yeah, thank God he managed to hold on. You you must have been sweating bullets, I suppose, after the start because he really did have to do it tough, didn't he? He was four, five, six wide. It was almost like, uh, you know, the other jockeys were keeping an eye on him, wanted him to sort of be posted out wide. So, look, he finally got in uh, and he won well in the end. But there were some, you know, it, it wasn't without its complications, the race, was it? Oh, for sure. Um, it was a disaster at the start, and um, going into that first corner, had to do a lot of work to get where he was, but it seemed once he got in that spot, he, he just managed to uh, get him back underneath and relax a bit, and um, obviously that Sunshine Coast straight, it's a long straight as well, so he was always probably going to be entitled to, to be a bit of a sitting duck at the uh, finish there, but he kept fighting, and they were all coming at him, and probably, you know, you if he if he went down in defeat yesterday, you um, would have said he went down game. He had such a tough run earlier on, but um, yeah, I mean, he's such a he's got that will to win. He always puts in, so yeah, you'd love to have a table full of them. Todd, just just um, 
help my memory here, were you part of Annabelle's stable last year when Zaki was here? Yeah, so we've been up in Brisbane for about a year now. Um, just over a year, we moved up at the end of April. So it was this time last year, he came up to us and ran in the Hollandale. But that was off the back of a um, you know Queen Elizabeth run on a heavy track. And the Hollandale at the Gold Coast last year was on quite a sticky track. So he, you know, he had quite a few tough runs going into the Derman Cup. And I think this year he's probably just profiling profiling a little bit better hopefully um, you know he's a bit pressure this campaign he's only had the two runs this time in and um, gets, gets back to Dooman and as long as it's not a wet track I think a track like Dooman really suits him mm. probably you know a track like the Sunshine Coast and Eagle Farm where the Dooman Cup was last year doesn't really suit him as much it's a long straight and uh, we know he usually makes his own luck out on the lead and um, you know sometimes when it's like that especially the Sunshine Coast yesterday it's, it's a, it's a very fair and even track. It's one of the best surfaces up here in Queensland, I think. And unfortunately, and unfortunately, um, every horse does get their chance. And we saw that yesterday, even by the last race yesterday. They're all, you know, lining up across the track. And full credit to the Sunshine Coast Turf Club. They presented the track in great order yesterday. And there was certainly no bias in every horse. Um, you know, it was the best horse winning. What was J-Max's <clears throat> feedback when he got off the horse yesterday? Um, what did he say? I mean, we're obviously all interested about, I guess, where Zaki is at. Um, you know, he's not getting any younger. What did J-Max say, I guess, about where, where he's at now in comparison to, you know, where he might have been at the start of sort of previous campaigns or Queensland campaigns? Yeah, he's definitely, you know, he's an eight-year-old, soon to be nine. Um, I'd say not getting any younger, but he's still just... You know, wants to be there, loves his work, loves his racing, and um, he was just so brave. I think James was quite relieved when he did get off him yesterday. He knew that um, he probably deserved to get beat with the run that he had, but he's just such a honest racehorse, just loves it so much, and just got that will to win that you wish all um, any other horse probably would have laid down and uh, just battled away. But you know, we even saw it in his fresh up run when he's running behind one of Australia's best sprinters and Giga Kick. You know, he's trying hard and. He's not a 1,400-metre horse, but he's, you know, he was fresh up against some of those you know, Australia's best sprinters that are rock hard fit at the end of their campaigns, and he's trying and um, trying his heart out, and he never gives it away. So, yeah, he's just a super, super horse to have. We remember that Dooman Cup of two years ago. He won by seven lengths and ran spectacular time. J-Mac riding that day was one of... Uh, my greatest memories of broadcasting to, to to call a horse winning so far. Then he won the QE2, and I would imagine that's the, the plan again. But I'll ask you the question, just a personal question about Zaki. Do you think that he is at his most effective at 2,000 metres, and then after that it gets a little bit harder for him? I know he won the QE2 at 2,200, but he certainly wasn't as dominant as when he won the Dooman Cup at 2,000. Yes, certainly, I think. Um, anywhere from a, a mile to 2,000 with him, especially if he's a mile in a fresh state and if you can space his run. So at 2,000 is probably uh, is his best distance. And, yeah, like you say, the 2,200 metres of the Q, Q22 might just stretch him that little bit and class does get him over the line. And I'm not sure what Annabelle wants to do. We'll get through the next run. Um, we haven't really talked about the Q22 just yet, but certainly he's pulled up well this morning. We just took him to the beach and he seems a happy horse and will be pressed on to the German Cup in a fortnight's time, which uh, suits, and then uh, she'll decide whether he goes for a break after that or uh, goes one more. You'd, you'd imagine long-term, I read the other day that, that Annabelle was talking, you know, she thinks this, this horse has got another another year, 
of racing. So I'm presuming past this calm it'll be another spring campaign, potentially another Cox Plate. Yeah, absolutely. It'd be good to get him back to the Cox Plate and no animo this year and I guess you see what uh, what international raiders do come over but the way you look at it now it's always open but then as it gets posted there's always horses do pop up and see what three year olds do come through and um, you know, any horses that do train on as four year olds but yeah I mean, it's great to have them back up in Queensland again it's a real privilege for our stable we've run a bit of a spring in their step when they get to see Zahi every morning and um, yeah, it'd be great if uh, if he was up here in a year's time, but obviously that remains to be seen. But it's probably and yeah, no, it's a great thing for the Brisbane Carnival. I think it's getting stronger and stronger every year, which is fantastic. Especially now that we've got a stable up here, it's good to see for uh, all of racing Queensland some of these top horses uh, coming up and you know making racing Queensland just that little bit stronger. And you know who knows with Darkie being in the Hollandale for the last three years, winning it, hopefully it um, has a possibility of raising it to a Group 1 eventually. I'm not sure, but I suppose we'll see uh, what the padding committee does and all the rest of it with a race like that. But, um, yeah, having a horse of Zaki's ability in the, um, in the race obviously helps that a lot. Yeah, if they, if they ever get around to it, they're sitting there on their bums doing nothing. And uh, we've, had, we've had no action on group racing for a few years now, but you make a really good point there, uh, Todd, about the, the Holland Island and being elevated to Group 1. Just before we let you go, we've uh, covered Zaki off. Lady Laguna, she was good again? Yeah, she's such a tough little filly. Um, just puts in every single time. I think it's eight stakes placing to go with her. Um, stakes win at her last start. So she's come through it well. I think we sort of talking about that the Derby McCarthy might be the sort of right race to run her in. Um, 1,200 metres is probably her absolute limit, but she's just such a tough, tenacious filly. She just loves it and yeah, always tried, so, yeah, she's come through it well, and we'll look forward to another start, but she's in form, racing well, so, and about said, as long as she's coming through her runs well, we'll just look for the next race with her. What did you think of Swiss Exiles' run? It was a little bit disappointing on face value, for sure. He you know, looked like he was going to have a nice part into it, but he never really travelled um, as strong as he did last time, so we'll just step him up to the 1,400 metres of the Fred Best next start, and... He has won the Group 2 there of 1,400 metres this time last year. So we'll have a go, and obviously it's uh, shaping up to be an absolute cracker of a race. So uh, we might be um, running for second behind Yellow Brick, amongst others. But, you know, he's got to be in to win, and he likes the track. So he just... He, we don't know if he's just a typical cult that's putting him when he needs to. He um, seems like he's he trained on well from his last start, where he you know, flew home for second. So... Hopefully we'll just go again and uh, see a better result than yesterday, but he's pulled up well as um, this morning, so we'll just push on. Good on you, mate. Thanks for joining us this morning and uh, continued success with the stable, and we look forward to seeing Zaki in the Dubin Cup in two weeks' time. No worries. Thanks a lot for having me on, guys. Todd Pollard, who represents Annabelle Nisham in the Brisbane stable. And, Ben, Zaki... Uh, is, of course, the clear-cut favourite for the Dubin Cup. I don't think those who would admire Weddell would walk away from yesterday saying the Dubin Cup's a done deal. Uh, Zaki had to do work to get outside lead. He was brave, but Weddell, of course, beat him last year in the Dubin Cup. That's when it was at Eagle Farm at 2100. But I think connections of Weddell would be more than keen to to meet Zaki again in two weeks' time. Yeah, absolutely. thought the same thing, David. Um, charged home really well. 
Um, absolutely no taking away from the Winazaki, um, given his passage in transit. But $11 in a Doom and Cup wet or, um, given obviously he likes it up here. He's got form on the board from last year, you know, um, turning over Zaki. So, yeah, um, if you like wet or, I certainly, um, wouldn't be convincing you out of him. Outside of those two, um, Zarek was good. Um, mm. Banker's Choice I thought was disappointing I'd back sort of Banker's Choice from a Doom and Cup point of view Seemed to over race a little bit and, and overdo it But um, a tissue was last, you know, finished home solidly enough um, Was beaten two and a half lengths though Was really well back, three to seventy second favourite behind Zaki So yeah, look, I guess it was just the Zaki story really out of the race Wasn't it David? Uh, he's up here again and he's a headline horse and he's great for Queensland yeah. Zaki, of course, hails from Great Britain and Rough Hammond hailed from New Zealand. But there's a bit of a Rough Hammond feel about Zaki in the sense that whilst he's uh, uh, a visitor, he, he comes from, from New South Wales, we're sort of half taking him into our own and saying he's one of our Zaki. This is his third time here. And he's got that Rough Hammond feel about him because not only does he race well, he's a very popular horse as well. And... He is a headline act for the carnival. Yeah, and I tell you what, James McDonald was very, very, very glad he won because he'd actually had uh, a pretty ordinary day by his lofty standards uh, up until then. He was trapped three wide on Tycoon Evie. He was a $2.25 favourite in the silk stocking and, and, you know, he was on a two-year-old earlier in the day that was very well backed that missed the start. Then he was wide on Zaki. So, uh, you know, J-Mac looked like having a rare off day, uh, but Zaki made it right for him. Well, Zaki was the favourite, as was Yellow Brick, who uh, began his uh, carnival campaign in the Gold Coast Guineas yesterday. Let's see how he fared. End assembly, the leader down the side at the 600. Three quarters clear. Bunker Hut in second. Yellow Brick will have to do it. Tough three deep planted. Malane behind the speed. Fourth, then Russian Conquest. Next is Spacewalk. Lady Laguna, Swiss Exile. Mumbai Jewel, Invinovich, Susaya. Midnight in Tokyo, Lubrication and Kiko. End assembly at the 300 metres mark. Giving a kick here. Yellow Brick down the centre. Bunker Hut back to the inside. Lady Laguna's driving through. And Spacewalk out wider on the track. Yellow Brick in a slender lead. Lady, Lady Lagoon to the far side. It's Yellow Brick in front. It's a first up crush in the Guineas. Yellow Brick too good. Three wide, no cover, still too good. Beat Lady Laguna. Sue Sayers jumped up out of the ground and will run third. Photo fourth, Russian Conquest, Mumbai Jewel and Spacewalk right up there. Then followed end assembly. Next in was Bunker Hut. Further back in the field, Swiss Exile, Kiko, Midnight in Tokyo, Lubrication, Malane and Invinovich. Well, he was the punters pin up yesterday, Yellow Brick. They stuck with him very strongly, 280 into 240. He didn't let them down and he did it the hard way as well to win the Group 3 Guineas first up. Maddie Sears, of course, in a training partnership with her dad, Tony. She's our next guest on Pass the Post. Maddie, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm very well, and I'm sure you're a lot better than me because you went to bed <laughs> last night uh, having had one of the, the probably the, one of the best moments of your short training career with your dad yesterday. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, it was, yeah, it was a day that I'll obviously never, ever forget. Um, yeah, it was just, it was just incredible. Maddie, I sense um, that, uh, you know, no matter how, how good that horse's win was yesterday, the tears in your eyes and the tears 
in your dad's eyes after that win had just as much to do with a, with a really special family moment. Your mum was there as well, obviously. But but as much as, a, as, as if it was a win of a good horse, it was a moment where the family came together and, and everything, all the planets just aligned. It was emotional stuff, wasn't it? Yeah, it's, you know, it was just really special. You know, um, I just arrived at Gatton Races, actually, and I was uh, talking to the person I'm coming down with, and, you know, we've we've had a lot of good horses over the years, but we've also had a lot of bad luck, um, you know, losing some very good horses that we've had, you know, to accidents and stuff like that. So to finally, you know, have have one of the one of the good ones, you know, go to that next level and, you know, ha- like, you know, it's our fir- was our first group winner as a as a training partnership, um and that sort of stuff. It was just it was just I don't even have any word for it, really, because it was just so exciting. I heard your dad on radio yesterday morning. He was talking to Steve Hewlett, and he, he said, we think that he's come back even better. Um, of course, we saw him win the King of the Mountain during the summer, and then he was just been in the Giddies, the Magic Minions Giddies. Are you of the same impression? Since he's had that break, has he come back, do you believe, a better horse? Yeah, we believe so. Um, he's like all of his, you know, data and him physically. He's mm. physically a lot, uh, a bigger horse. Um, and like, you know, he's, he's always going to show that, you know, we always thought he would show that, you know, natural improvement because, you know, technically it was only his second, second prep last time in. Um, so, you know, there's going to be that, that natural improvement there. And that's basically, what he showed us. Matty, the, the fascinating story now, we all start thinking about the Stradbroke. He was a rating of, had a, had a rating of 90 before yesterday. You'd imagine he'd get a significant boost off that, but it would not probably be enough to get him into a Stradbroke. Obviously, the Fred Best in a couple of weeks, or in a few weeks, yeah, so, get, yeah. gets, gets him in there if he wins that, and um, that's what we're hoping, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's what we're, you know, that's what we're sort of hoping and hoping and aiming for, Um you know, we we all know he's going to be better better over that you know further trip. Um, so you, you're going to probably see a better horse again next time out, um, getting out to that that distance. But you know, he does he does need to win the win the Fred Best, I'd say, to get into the Stradbroke because you know we've spoken to a few people and you've probably got to be like a hundred or a hundred and two um, to get in. So just depends what they give us. Like, I'd imagine we'll probably get eight points um, for yesterday, which then will put us, you know, at probably a 98 Raider. Yeah, exactly right. And you make the good point. It's it's probably best to have triple figures if you're trying to get a run on the strap break. Two horses, though, just uh, if you if you don't win the... If you don't win the Fred Best, and say you're out of place... You can earn points out of that. They, they they can lift your rating up. But two horses in the Stradbroke last year uh, had 90 rate uh, below 100. Uh, Valana was one and Star Toddos were the other. So it's not impossible to get no, into the Stradbroke, no, but, it, but it's bloody hard. You just put our mind at ease a little bit For sure. um, if we did, you know, just pop him over that, that little before bit you, Before you go, you can put our mind at ease. Uh, you're at Gatton, are you? Yes, I'm at Gatton today at Royal Gatton. Can you give us a tip? Um, I really like the two-year-old um, in the in the first race. She's 
she's, you know, she's going to show that natural improvement from her first start. Um, you know, I think the horse of Gollins looks very smart, uh, but hopefully we've got the upper hand on it already having that race experience. Um, but, you know, she was beaten at Toowoomba by two horses that I think are quite smart, um, Trigateer and Trust and um, Miss Jolene. So, you know, I think I'll be, I'll be probably disappointed if things went to plan and she didn't, she didn't finish sort of in that top two. Now, we, we need the name. What's the, I, oh, I haven't got heroic, the field in front of me. Sorry, Heroic Sophie. Heroic Race 1, Heroic Sophie, number 6, Jake Malloy riding, and he rides well. Maddie, thanks yeah. for being with us this morning. Congratulations to you, Mum and Dad, the whole team there, and uh, it's an exciting time ahead over the next few weeks. Thank you very much. I appreciate your call. Maddie says, of course, trains with her dad, Tony, and... Well, as I said before, Ben, uh, he was good. Not only did he win, but he did it the hard way, three wide, no cover, and he looked very good as he powered down that Sunshine Coast straight. Yeah, it's funny. Maddie mentioned some sort of uh, statistical data there. I was, I was talking to Tony after this win, and it's not trackers. There's another word for it. I can't remember what it's called, but it's just effectively this data that they use to measure a horse's performance in training. And he said, look, sometimes, some people think it's rubbish, but he said, look, you know, some of these horses improve you know, so much between preparations. He said the data on this horse shows that Yellow Brick has improved length significantly. So, look, if that's correct, and going off uh, just the visual of, of what we saw yesterday sitting three wide and then powering away at the end, uh, he is a proper horse, David. He would give the Stradbroke, assuming he gets in, a mighty shake. Yeah, and you make a good point about that, that data because it's all very well to have a a vibe or a, a, a visual impression, but to actually have it there in front of you, facts and figures, must be a great aid for training uh, uh, training horses. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I suppose at the Beaten Brigade, we already touched on Lady Laguna, didn't we, uh, with the Todd Pollard soothsayer. Wow, at $81. That, <laughs> Friedman, uh, I'll tell you what, in a few more... Uh, another 50 metres, it wouldn't have beaten Yellow Brick, but it probably certainly would have closed the margin, just absolutely leapt out of the ground. So it'd be interesting to see what Lee uh, does with that horse. Of the rest of them, yeah, I don't know. End Assembly doesn't seem to be the horse that, that he was, obviously, when he won the gold edition. Um, you know, finished a couple, you know, two and a half lengths off them. Bunker Hut, there was a little bit of hope around that that, uh, that horse could do something, but never really figured. But really, I mean, it was just a race that was you know, all pointed to Yellow Brick, and the story was simply Yellow Brick. He made a great uh, impression on market framers, so much so they slammed his price into $6 for the, the Star Stradbroke. Think about it, which we'll talk about and discuss later, is the $4.50 Stradie favourite. But Yellow Brick's right there now, second line, $6. Knee-jerk reaction? Possibly, but I still think that, uh, as Ben said, uh, uh, he, if he gets there with that uh, light weight, he's going to be a mighty chance. Valana, of course, at $8, and then half Cabin and Tino. And Ruthless Dame marked there at $11. But what path she treks is something we'll discuss later as well. So a lot to talk about. But let's continue our profile of the Gold Coast Mini at Sunshine Coast yesterday, the Coast to Coast Race Day. And one of the, the big uh, races on this card is the Ken Russell Classic, presented by the Tab. Here's the replay.
600 metres left the run. Three and a half lengths clear from Rothko in second. Ringer's reward sliding through to third. A bounding's next with Mashani. Gangster off the track. Russian Alliance behind those. Then she, mine, trifling. Influential's got past a couple, including Money, Team and Zimo. Up before the 300 metres mark. Talk IT joined by Russian Alliance who burst through. A bounding's going with it. Ringer's reward. Trifling. Influential's behind those. Just ran into a dead end. 150 to go. A bounding hit the front. Trying to run back Russian Alliance. It's a bounding and Russian Alliance going at it together. 50 to go. This will be a head bobber. Russian Alliance are abounding. What a ripping photo finish. Triflings run third. Photo finish fourth. Influential's prominent with Boom Master out wider. Zimo next in. Then Ringer's reward. She mine. Further back to Money Team. Mashani Gangster. Talk IT and Rothko. Larry Cassidy riding uh, Russian Alliance. Uh, Philly is the name suggests by Russian Revolution. And she made it five straight. She's unbeaten this campaign. Going terrifically. One of the reasons she's going terrifically is the man behind her in the training department, Kevin Kemp. And he joins us this morning. Kempy, good morning. Did you think when this filly won first up in Toowoomba in late February, you'd have the run you're having with her? Oh, probably. You know, you'd be, uh, yeah, I'd be lying to say, yeah. So, but uh, it's not surprising, being as beautifully bred by Russian mm. Revolution out of a, out of a um, beautiful broodmare too. Um, the, the thing is, uh, uh, she's just, there's, there's nothing phases her. She's pretty well, um, yeah, bomb-proof. So, you know, when they go ahead, I suppose it doesn't really surprise you, yeah. But, uh, no, to say that we thought we'd get this far is a bit, uh, I'd be only, uh, yeah. But it's, it's so good to be here, yeah, for sure. Kempi, congratulations. One for the good guys, mate. Now, listen, 1978 was the last time you had a horse win five races in a row. I was only one in 1978, Kempi, so it's a fair while ago, isn't it? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's a long time ago, isn't it? Jesus, I must be getting a bit on a bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Take us through that story, the 19, 1978 story. What was that horse? And, uh, yeah, just, 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 just take us back through time a bit. Yeah, it's a long story, but to cut it short, <laughs> we were coming home from a holiday uh, in at Ayers Rock and pulled up at Longreach and had a, it was a bit lighter then. I had a ride on him and, and really liked this horse and the bloke said, well, you can have him. So we went and got him. Um, we come home first and asked the trainer I was working for, who was Norm McCullum here in Toowoomba, he's a great trainer, running uh, second in the premiership all the time to Jimmy Atkins. So, and he said, yep, we can have him. So we went, uh, went back out and picked him up out at Morven with the brother-in-law and we come back and uh, he won seven straight, yeah. Yeah, his name, his name was Don Fajet. I'm old enough to remember him. I can I can remember him as a young kid growing up. He was a he was a good horse, Don Fajet. But, Kebby, you had great success as well in that decade when horses like Star Tell and Tellum and, and Typhoon Red, you won four Wheatwoods in a decade. They were great, uh, great times for you as a trainer, particularly winning your hometown sprint. Yeah, for sure, especially, yeah, when uh, Kenny and Debbie Waller had Startel and, and they went to Macau uh, to uh, have to uh, carry on riding over there and everything. And so I was lucky enough to get Startel and he'd uh, he'd only had uh, uh, probably uh, four runs in and and uh, so they we put him in the Wheatwood and uh, he was lucky enough to win it. But we had Starty Casitas riding at the time by Jingis, what a rider. And... Um, 
he actually uh, he won three of me four Wheatwood chair Starfy, so uh, he won two on Tellum, and uh, and then the other horse was uh, uh, later on. He's the last one, 2014, so he'll be bloody due again, I reckon. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Kempy Russian Alliance has never got out over more than twelve hundred metres, but obviously you've got a nomed for. Uh, races like the size and the JJ Atkins, for instance. What are you thinking going forward? How far do you try and, uh, and push on through the carnival, and, and how far will she get? Yeah, well, uh, just probably looking at yesterday, <laughs> still strong at the end of 1,200 on the big track, uh, Caloundra. Probably uh, thinking 1,400 mightn't be a problem, uh, whether you can get any further. But uh, she's had five runs now this time in, and uh, whether she can train on. We'll know that in the next in the next week or two, and she could uh, she could either be nominated for the Phillies uh, race in two weeks mm. at Dermot. I'm just trying to think of the, the Douglas the Carter Doug, Stakes. Douglas, yeah, that's right, Carter, Carter Stakes. And uh, or the or she's nominated as you say for the size in three weeks. So or yeah, so hopefully, hopefully not hopefully, but yeah, in a way, if she's uh, if she can be. Still with us, she'll run in one of them, and uh, and by jingies, if she could run in the uh, JJ Atkins, it'd be unbelievable. Um, because her stable, I rent off uh, Jim Atkins's son, John Atkins. Uh, she's in the stable that Dalrello was in all the time. So, oh, wow. Yeah, some great, great memories there. Yeah, it's a bit of a choice you've got to make, isn't it? Like the Carter is for fillies only, so that's right up her alley. 1,200 metres. We know there's no drama there, but it's worth 160,000. The size produce a week later. Yeah, 1,400 Eagle Farm, but $1 million. So it's a, a bit of a tough choice. Yeah, for sure, yeah. And uh, and she'll, she'll tell us, though, I think, if um, if she's ready to uh, keep training on, just as she did after her last start. To tell the truth, we were only going here if we were... <laughs> sorry, if she, if she was uh, 100%, and that was the case. So... Uh, uh, with a you know, God, she's done the job. Done the job already, though. She Bloody certainly yeah. has five in a row. It's uh, it's not easy to do. Good on you, Kemi. Congratulations yeah. from everyone. You have a good day. You're a champion. Thanks for ringing. See you later. There he is Kevin Chemtrain's Russian Alliance and. Well, she just keeps on winning, and you can't knock winning form, Ben. No, you can't. I love stories like this. Um, Kevin Kempies, and he, I actually spoke to him for half an hour before the first yesterday. We were telling old stories, and he used to be uh, used to drive taxis for a living for a time there in Toowoomba, and he was telling me a couple of times he was in precarious positions when he <laughs> drove people out of the middle of nowhere, and just a little old, uh, you know, terrific trainer. But, yeah, the former taxi driver, if you don't mind, from Toowoomba, knocking off names like Chris Waller, Annabelle Neesham, Casey Fogden, do you know what I mean? And some of the, you know, James McDonald, you know, it's just a great story. It's just terrific. And you know what? He said the drive to the Sunshine Coast, three hours each way from, from where he is, I tell you what, it would have been three of the most satisfying hours of his training career, I reckon, driving back home last night. Yeah, it certainly would have. Influential uh, was J-Max Ribe as the favourite, but uh, chances nosedived at the start with a bad getaway. Yeah, it was never a factor. Uh, I actually stood next to Noel Greenhow, uh, or near Noel Greenhow, who was in this horse, and yeah, that uh, hopes just went out the window right from the start. It was exceptionally well backed in two dollars sixty favourite too, if you don't mind. Let's have a listen to some other races from yesterday. Big field in the Australian Turf Club Trophy Race Eight. Here's how it fared. 
5.50 left to run. Prime Candidate the leader. A half clear from the big goodbye. F Troop right behind them. Third Ranger sliding forward. Palacipan fifth of the middle. You called it back to the inside. Then last chance Alal. Far too easy. Gets to the outside. Mimi Lagarde's held up. 15 rounds. Irish songs. And Brigantine to the extreme outside. Prime Candidate below the 200 metres mark. Trying to fend them off. F Troop back to the inside with 15 rounds. There's no far too easy. 100 metres left to run. 15 rounds shot through and F Troop 15 rounds is just in front 15 rounds I think just from Palacipan who was driving late F Troop not far away with the big goodbye and Salatine horses everywhere late you called it halal and behind those Irish songs prime candidate Vinco next in far too easy never came on Brigantine was always well back with Juan Diva the big goodbye indispensable Sir Warwick towards the tail end of the field He's jumped out of the ground 15 rounds. Uh, no one ever doubted his ability, and he hasn't won his last five, but he's won four of his last five. But it's worth keeping in mind that it was back in mid-November he won a midweek class five at Doombin, but he's just kept on... Uh, they've kept raising the bar, and he's just kept handling it well, and that was a career-best performance today uh, at listed level. Perfect ride, but... Uh, was able to capitalise on, on the good ride and, and win the race. Yeah, I must admit, David, I'm absolutely scratching my head about what to make of this race. There were seven horses within mm. length uh, of the finish. One of those was far too easy, who was fancied uh, in Strabroke Marcus, a $3.50 favourite in this race yesterday, but just nothing went right. It was never a winning factor, was trapped off the track, just never got in. Uh, was beaten under a length, certainly not disgrace. So look, I, I just, you know, I certainly wouldn't be dropping off far too easy because he just had no luck at all. But as I say, just a really, really bunch finished, and I think eighteen of them all finished within five lengths of each other. So yeah, not sure what to make of that race, Dave. Yeah, sometimes bunch finishes or busy finishes can be a little bit suspect form-wise. We'll see how it pans out. But far too easy. He's like the the, the Antinos and the Yellow Bricks and the like. He. He needs to get that rating up if he's going to secure a run in the Stradbroke. We'll see what happens there. He'll probably go to the BRC Sprint. Let's continue on. We'll go to the Phillies and Bears. They strutter their stuff in the Silk Stocking. Ravaged towards, straightened up a narrow leader from Fashionelle. Tycoon Evie's about to pounce on that pair. Osmos Catalan back to the rail. Xenifer's next and then follow wonderful Riri. Esson leaving her run late but she's starting to come. Tycoon Evie in front, 100 metres left to run. A wall coming. Renew for Esson out wider. They've got to the favourite. Esson right over the top for the silk stocking. Esson beat Renew from Tycoon Evie. Fourth in, TikTok Queen from last. Then love sensation Catalan. Xenifer was next in, media award. Further back to Osmos, Valley of Dreams, Miss Einstein. Further back in the field, Miss Baltimore. And towards the tail end, we had Adelise and wonderful Riri and Fashionelle. S on. Yeah, S on. Richard Litter's got a, a nice mare here. She's only had the 12 career starts. That was her sixth win yesterday. So she knows about the winning caper, 50% strike rate. And Chad Schofield riding. And one would think that she'd be headed on a path towards the Tats Tiara in late June, Ben. Yeah, imposing win. Having said that, uh, the, th- the theme of this race was Tycoon Evie. Back to Zoe, almost unbeatable. J-Mac just never, never got in. Um, she finished third, Tycoon Evie, but um, endured a torrid run. TikTok Queen for the Archer Park crew, David, was very, very good, I thought. Charging home into four, she's obviously got a Strabroke spot, so Tony Gollum would have been very encouraged by that. Yeah, she came from last, and uh, you're right, her, her workload was good. Chris and Tina Wessel, I hope they're, they're still with us. They caught the train up to the Sunshine Coast yesterday. 
a rather strange way of getting to the races, but they had to catch the train back as well. So I have it from this morning, so I hope everything went OK on that train trip home because uh, it is rather an unusual way to uh, to get up there and get back. But I'm sure they're listening, and I'm sure they were hardened by TikTok Queen's run. Let's have a listen to our final replay from the Sunshine Coast yesterday. This is a stepping stone towards the Queensland Oaks. It was the uh, a bracelet. Venetian blew up towards the home corner, the leader, by about a half a length to binding. Compass Roses climbing over their back of the run presented now. Beautiful Heart tractor through. Street Gossip got badly held up, then followed by Wolverine out deeper on the course. It's Venetian Blue, 225, left the run from Compass Rose. Super Chill blew the whistle on the rail. Gets through now, out deeper, Renaissance Woman's running on. It's Super Chill, the far side. Renaissance Woman, Street Gossip there in the centre. Super Chill, the Renaissance Woman. Here's the will get up and beat Super Chilled and Street Gossips run third. Photo fourth, Madame Odette or Wolverine. Then followed Yankee Hustle, Compass Rose, Sequestra was next in. Further back, Venetian Blue. Uh, the next one to clock in, we had Binding. Further back to Beautiful Heart, Sylvakia. Then followed uh, Street Glory, Viander Chance, Whisker to Whisker and Yankee Hustle. Such was the impact of her win. Market Framers made her the $3.50 favourite for the Queensland Oaks in three weeks' time. And I can understand that, Ben. A lot to like about that win. Long way back. Powerful finish. Yeah, <clears throat> she's just got Oaks written all over her, hasn't she? I spoke to Bjorn Baker on the phone yesterday. He wasn't actually at the Sunshine Coast. But he said, look, she ran in the VRC Oaks last spring. Was well beaten, but uh, he said the race was just run at a dawdling speed that never really suited her. So she likes, she enjoys a, a you know, quick tempo where she can really charge home and he's really targeted Queensland with her. She basically missed most of, of autumn. She had one run in Sydney at the end of autumn. So everything is upwards for this girl towards the Queensland Oaks. That was the Sunshine Coast yesterday. The carnival continues back in Brisbane as we continue Stradbroke season, start Stradbroke season with the Doobin 10,000. Doobin next Saturday, uh, $1.5 million race where Giga Kick is now $1.90. Black figures into red to continue his march uh, through his campaign and, of course, several other good black-type races as well. So the, the carnival in full strength and full throttle and we're at Doobin next Saturday. We'll take a break here on Pass the Post. Now, when we come back... We'll profile the second day of the Autumn Carnival at Morfordville with the Group 1 Sangster. And, of course, we're going to have a look at Gosford a little later in the show. Back soon. You're listening to Radio Tab's Past the Post with David Fowler and Ben Dorries. Yes, the second day of the Autumn Carnival uh, at Morfordville yesterday with the running of the Robert Sangster. It's the premier sprint for fillies and mares in Australia, Group 1. Let's have a listen to the replay. Bella Nipatina for Kieran Maher and David Eustace was the favourite at $3.80. They race up to the 600 metres and Serides took over and led Marabi. September run, I'm loving you. Passive aggressive, the rail. Bella Nipotinla's four off them, about to work into the clear wider out with Rock and Horse, Ruthless Dane. On the inside, literary magnate Espiona Zapateo and another award. Serides gives them something to catch. She powers for the line. She's a couple on Marabi. Then on the outside now, starting to hit top gear, Bella Nipotina, Ruthless Dame also wider out. Ruthless Dame, another award steaming late ruthless dame in front another award it's the three-year-old filly ruthless dame in the sangster ruthless dame beat another award photo third zapateo got going chain of lightning they overhauled serides in company with bella nipotina then espiona 
from September Run, a tiring, passive-aggressive Morabi. Next one in, Diamonds. Rock and Horse couldn't get on the track. Literary Magnate, and I'm loving you. Well, for most of the day, it seemed as though the inside part of the track was the place to be. Uh, any horses out wide didn't seem to be making ground, but Ruthless Dame certainly knocked that theory out for sixth because she came from near last, out wide, and was too good. It... it uh, underlines the training prowess of Kieran Maher and David Eustace. He was a filly who ran down the track in the Coolmore at 1,500. Their knowledge, their ability to freshen her up, not only to, to be able to win, but win a Group 1, is quite extraordinary. It was her sixth race start as well. So where, where she heads is interesting. Of course, the Goodwood in two weeks' time is a possibility. And, of course, I see Kieran Maher quoted in this morning's press uh, looking about the Tats Tiara. So... What path she heads will be interesting. But wherever she goes, she will be very hard to beat. A very good filly. And John Allen has to be mentioned as well. He had the steer. Uh, to say Adelaide's a happy hunting ground or Morphville's a happy hunting ground for him is a big understatement. Uh, he's won all of the, the, the Group 1 features here now. And that was his 19th Group 1 yesterday with Ruth Dame. Didn't know whether to laugh or cry. She did us so proud. Another award uh, at $41. She she ran the race of her life in finishing second. She ran fourth last year, second this year. So it was wonderful she ran so well. But uh, what could have been if she'd won? But anyway, she more than likely too will go to the Goodwood in a couple of weeks' time. And of course, like Ruthless Dame, will have a weight drop under the uh, the conditions of the race. Zapateo, good in third chain of lightning, not far away in fourth. That was the group one, but there are other black-type races we're going to have a listen to. Let's listen to the Tobin Bronze, presented by the Tab, and She Dances for Peter Moody was the 270 favourite. She dances, hugs the rail, turns in front narrowly from Clabelle. Wee Nessie in hot pursuit, Royal Merchant likewise. She dances a length clear, Royal Merchant, Wee Nessie trying to close. She dances still in front, Royal Merchant's closing now. Royal Merchant after she dances, Royal Merchant ranging up to she dances. Royal Merchant reeling in, she dances and Royal Merchant. It's a royal weekend and Royal Merchant wins the Tobin bronze. From she dances, maybe Wee Nessie or seven veils for third. Photo for that one. Then came Grey River Shuffle Dancer, Clabelle, Tropicone Sweetened, Hope at Hand, Little Miss Kuby pressed down and it was one of the last ones home. She's an above average Philly Royal Merchant. She should have won at Adelaide her most recent start so she made amends there yesterday. Mickey D riding for, yeah, get it, Mar and Eustace the $4.60 favourite beating She Dances and Seven Veils. She's now won three races from her 11 career starts. The final race we're going to have a listen to at Morfordville yesterday was the Group 2 Queen of the South and Foxy Frieda for Andrew Nobler was the $2.90 favourite. Waltz on by is going to swing into the straight with a nice margin on Sparkle doing the chasing. Wider out cruising into it now, My Whisper then Silent Sovereign but Waltz on by is giving them a galloping lesson at this point. Three in front, My Whisper Foxy Frieda's now unwinding a big run. So too Cast Foxy Frieda and Cast, they gather up Waltz on by. Cast burning through on the inside of Foxy Frieda and it's the little girl Cast to win. Cast by a half a length to Foxy Frieda. Waltz on by, tired, but might have done enough to hang on to third. From Silent Sovereign, Last Girl Love. And then Delicious Tycoon. Sparkle tired with Belle Placer. The next one in, My Whisper from Dynasties. Then Rich Gina, Miss Uella, Last Girl Love. And Agreeable. 
She's a Supranzal on Philly and only lightly raced. That was her fourth win yesterday, only a sixth race start. Good day for Ben and J.D. Hayes, a training double. And, of course, Mickey D. stole the show in the riding department. This was one of his four winners yesterday. We heard him on Royal Merchant and successful there on cast. And she's going great guns. She won the, the Nishki at the most recent start there and then go to Group 2 level yesterday. So whether they pull up stumps or maybe look towards Brisbane remains to be seen. But they were the highlights from racing at Morfordville yesterday. Of course, next Saturday is the Derby, and then the curtain comes down on the carnival with the Goodwood in a fortnight's time. Let's turn our attention now to Gosford. There was their big Saturday meeting yesterday, a number of races we're going to have a listen to, but the first one is the takeover target. Think about it, the Stradbroke favourite was resuming. Top of the straight, the face wobbled a bit from Bacchanalia, Shades of Rose. Think about it, down the outside, and Clemenceau's taking a rails run. A few lengths to make up. It's uh, Bacchanalia in front from Think About It, the outside. Bacchanalia in, Think About It. Think About It went home best. Think About It knocked off Bacchanalia. With Foxfighter third, I'd say, just in front of Clemenceau. Then came the face Audette fashion legend, Shades of Rose, Bethancourt, and Charmy Baby. Think about it, had a tricky alley to overcome. Uh, it was never going to be pretty, but in the end, class uh, prevailed here. It was just too good for the bed. Yeah, carried top weight as well, 58 kilos, if you don't mind. And Joe Pride, post-race, said they're nowhere near the bottom of this horse. He's still very immature, even at four, and there's so much more to come. So that's a scary prospect, considering what he's doing already. Well, as we were talking about the likes of Yellow Brick, we were talking about Antino last week. Here's another horse, Stradbroke Bound. Uh, with this progressive tag on him, a highly progressive tag. He's had eight career starts. He's only been beaten once. Yeah, absolutely. Um, be fascinating to see what Joe does with him now. I mean, obviously, with that win yesterday, he'll boost his rating to over 100. He, he will be in the Stradbroke. Um, but does he run him at Dooman uh, next, or does he give him a start in the Group 1 Kings of Smith at Eagle Farm? I tend to think the Kingsford Smith might be the go, David, just because I reckon if you're running a horse in the Stradbroke, you'd want to probably give him a run at Eagle Farm uh, before. I mean, it's the Eagle Farm track is terrific now. It's not what we saw sort of a couple of years ago where some horses handled it and some horses didn't. But I still reckon you'd love your horse to have a run there before a Stradbroke. Yes, the Kingsford Smith, of course, on the 27th of May. So that's, what, three weeks away, and then it's a fortnight to the Stradbroke. And... Uh, such was his impact yesterday that he is the Stradbroke favourite at $4.50. Think about it. Of course, uh, Private Eye has gone for a break, so we won't be seeing him again. But we'll see the old warhorse, Eduardo. I think he's a $15 chance of the 10000 next Saturday. Won the race two years ago. You're not getting any younger, Eduardo, but uh, he's still uh, up there and kicking about, Ben. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? I love the fact that uh, Nashua Willa is staying loyal to Eduardo and riding mm. him next week in the Demon 10,000. Of course, he rode Valana uh, to that really powerful win first up. He could have, could have hissed his wagon very easily to Valana, who I would probably suggest is a better chance than Eduardo, given, um, you know, Eduardo is a very, very, very good horse. I'd suggest his best days are behind him. But Nash has just ridden him so much to so many of his, his big wins and big performances. He just wanted to stay loyal to him. So there is a place for loyalty in racing, David, and we'll see it next Saturday in the Dooman 10,000 with Nash Willa and Eduardo. Well, that was the takeover target at listed level. Let's go to one of the other features. This was their big three- and four-year-old $500,000 race named The Coast.
They've got 500 metres to run in the coast. I've been trying, trying to make all out by a half length and attractable. King makes a move now. Military expert pulling into a three wide position, giving chase. Palmetto tracks up. Pretty amazing to the outside. And Kiobi back on the inside trying to pick up into the straight. I've been trying is just the leader from military expert KAB. Palmetto starting to hit top gear now. I've been trying tackled by Palmetto down the middle and Palmetto charges to the lead to win the coast and win it comfortably. Kiobi second or oh, third, I'm not sure here. Military expert Will Wall, Bellatrix Black late. The last of all, not too far away. Uh, in a real busy finish. Attractable, I've been trying not too far off them. Followed by pretty amazing uh, Rosita and Lock Eagle. Don't hold me to the run on there. There was a stack of them chasing Palmetto and it's been a big day for Kira McAvoy. Certainly was. John Sargent trains Palmetto. That's five career wins from 17 starts and like so many of these horses we're discussing this morning, you sort of think if they're in form at the right time, we may well see them up here in a few weeks' time. Yeah, I'd suggest you probably would. Um, it was funny, this horse when uh, come over from New Zealand just took a while, quite a while um, you know, to hit the straps, but I heard John Sargent say post-race that just suffered a bit of homesickness, which is interesting because I didn't know horses suffered homesickness like humans do, but uh, but this horse obviously did, so that explains the improving performances. Now, I often I often knock you on the show saying, when was the last time you won? Well, I reckon even you have won within 1,672 days, but Esty Feeney before the Gosford Cup had it yesterday. It was 1,672 days since Esty Feeney won. Came up trumps at big odds, knocking everyone out of the quaddy in the Gosford Cup. So if uh, if Esty Feeney can win, you can certainly win. Hey, that's a bit harsh, David Fowler. I did tip the Archer winner at $20, $21 last Sunday. Hey, you've got a very, very short memory, haven't you? I, I knew I knew you'd trade on this. I knew it wouldn't just last for 24 hours <laughs> or 24 days <clears throat> or 24 in, months. <laughs> in all seriousness, what about this Doom and 10,000 um, next week? It will be some sort of race. Giga Kicker dollar ninety, half Cabin $6, Marzu $8, Overpass $8. The list goes on. I can't quite remember the last time. Obviously, we had Black Caviar race up here, so I'm not including her, but... Outside of her, that the, the last time we had a horse with the profile of Giga Kick and the excitement and the, the hype mm. around Giga Kick racing, certainly early in the carnival up here, uh, I reckon just the mere presence of Giga Kick will draw more people to the track at Doom and yeah, Saturday. Yeah, 100%. And uh, I think the key's going to be two things here with Giga Kick in, in terms of his price. And as you mentioned, he's a short price favourite. How big the field is and then where he draws. Now, I'm not saying he can't win for a wide draw, but if, say, there happened to be 14 or 15 runners and he drew 14 or 15, you tend to think you're going to get a little better than what's being offered at the moment. So that, that, the, the size of the field and the draw, I think, are very significant to, to how his price is shaped over the, or during the course of the week. Yeah, absolutely. Um, half Cabin's an interesting one as well. I uh, wasn't convinced on half cabin initially. I thought the hype was a little bit overblown, which I sometimes see with these uh, Sydney horses, but I reckon it might be the real deal. Um, heads towards a Stradbroke, potentially. We'll have to wait and see. Um, but, yeah, Giga Kick, half cabin, and Marzu is sort of, you know, the forgotten horse. I think he went the third in the TJ, didn't he? So, look, it'll be a cracking race. You throw in horses like Vol- Volana. Um, as we mentioned before, the old stager, Eduardo, will be a absolute ripper. I can't wait to get there already, David Fell. Well, you enjoy your day, and I'll be 
back in your land in a few days' time. Yeah, beautiful. I'll uh, talk to you tomorrow on Press Room and see you soon enough. Ben Norris joining us this morning. Yes, don't forget Press Room tomorrow morning. All the regular panellists, news and views from you as well. Looking forward to it then. Enjoy your day and we'll speak to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.